Dear teacher listeners, I wanted to thank you for this past year of listening in as I interviewed different teachers. This is going to be the final episode of the Dear Teacher podcast for now. Who knows, maybe sometime in the future I'll restart it. It was awfully fun talking to other educators. I learned so much. I loved being able to celebrate just the beauty of teaching with so many talented teachers at all different levels. But I started the podcast a year ago at the beginning of the pandemic in large part because I wanted to highlight the work that teachers do, especially at a time when that work became all the harder with the restrictions that the pandemic created around education. And I also was kind of lonely, you know, as we were all quarantining and this podcast gave me a great opportunity to connect with other educators. So I just wanted to say a big thank you to all the people I've interviewed and all of the listeners who have come along for the journey. I'm closing out the podcast by revisiting two of my favorite interviewees, my friends Anne and Chrissy. Chrissy Lockman and Anne uh, Grogan are both trained educators who uh, are certified in teaching elementary school, and they both have uh, classroom experience, but they've both become homeschool parents, and their episodes were two of the more popular ones among listeners, so I got them together to have one big fun conversation about the highs and lows of homeschooling. So enjoy, and thank you again for being such a wonderful audience. Hey guys, thanks for joining me. This is really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having us. (laughs) Our listeners might remember that um, Anne did the very first episode of Dear Teacher, And Chrissy, I think you were in episode three. And after that, you were like, oh, wouldn't it be so fun if the three of us could talk together about teaching? And so a year later, we're making it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. So mm, I guess I just first wanted to acknowledge that we're chatting when it's near the end of the spring semester. And um, so all three of us are kind of weary teachers at this point. (laughs) All right, let's start with the highs. Let's start with one of the things that homeschooling allows people to do that is maybe harder in the traditional classroom is non-traditional teaching, thinking outside the box. And I'm curious if you guys have any stories about ways that you've taught your kids that probably wouldn't work in the traditional classroom. Yes, I do. I guess the first thing that comes to mind just is how homeschooling can be, it can just involve the whole family. So one, one example is like for us, we, we've had the opportunity to serve other people as a family, which is really great because, you know, we, we know a lot of moms that have new babies and I can make a meal and the kids can make cards and sort of bless that family as a family. And so not only is it, serving somebody else but my own kids are understanding what it means just to to serve others and we've also babysat other kids you know that maybe a mom is having a hard time or something and we'll babysit her kids so I think just that like being open and available for these kind of life opportunities of learning has been really great I like that because the kids are learning service but then they're also learning whatever skills it take what it takes whether they're writing a card or cooking something for somebody or making something for them yeah that's been really awesome that's cool and do you have some out-of-the-box non-traditional mm-hmm. ideas 
Um, let's see. The things that are coming to mind right now are things that, um, when once upon a time when I taught in the first grade classroom, um, I am thinking back to first graders and their social studies textbook. They learn about their community and who is in their community and what activities are in your community, buildings are in your community. But uh, with homeschooling, we don't have a social studies textbook. Some people do. We personally do not, but I'm thinking we get our, our social studies and our awareness of our community by actually going out into it. And uh, we might meet a police officer at the coffee shop or at the 4th of July picnic or uh, and going out and saying, well, remember when we go to the coffee shop, let's, who is the lady behind the counter who makes our coffee? She's part of the community and community helper, especially for tired moms. <laughs> also thinking like in terms of science like to get some out of the box hands-on um experience with science as as opposed to a traditional textbook we had we're blessed with a lot of acreage in our backyard and after the snow falls my favorite activity is to go out and see what kind of footprints mm. and hoof prints are or paw prints are the freshly laden snow and through that we learn um let's go back to the house and research what kind of footprints were out there and what animals were out hunting after the snowfall or yeah or even planting flowers you know or little seeds for um for the springtime or summertime growth we got some dixie cups and put them uh in a little not baking dish what do you call that a little foil baking pan and filled them with dirt and punched some seeds in there and hopefully we'll watch something grow (laughs) yeah I love that you've got the outdoor things going. That's super clever to look at the animal tracks in the snow. Figure out what lives near you. We're trying. <laughs> We're trying not to get too oh, scared. No. <laughs> yes. What's the what's the scariest animal you've identified? Oh gosh. Um probably what did somebody say it was? Um a really big cat. I forget which kind. Mm. There are some wolves out there. Some coyotes. Yeah. I think the funniest thing was not really funny, <laughs> but funny because I was not there at the time. I was not there watching happened <laughs> was um right next to some really peaceful deer tracks were some cat prints some paw prints that were like leaping Ooh. uh we could tell that they were jumping and so we were looking a couple yards away to like just looking for a carcass but we didn't see one <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been maybe a dissection uh science lesson yeah. there <laughs> there you go <laughs> Yes. If, if you guys were here in Florida with me, your kids could find like lizard skeletons and snake skins and stuff like that lying around. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, just piggybacking off of what Anne was sharing, just about these learning opportunities that sometimes come up even accidentally um, mm. or, or just uh, like things that you don't expect to happen. And one thing for us with our family is our oldest, who is 10, he's very technical. He's very much of an engineer kind of mind. And I'm not like that. So I don't have a tendency to, you know, make learning lessons for engineering, except that I've been observing him play with Legos over the years. And he just recently got into Lego Mindstorms, which is um, like robotics. And so he started a robotics club with his dad, and now they're meeting once a month and we invite a couple other friends along that want to do it. But I think that's part of the beauty, too, of this thinking out of the box with homeschooling is that, yes, you know, if you're part of a school, you might have a robotics club. 
but usually that stuff isn't offered until middle school or above and and he's only a fourth grader. So I love that you can, you can kind of take your kid's interests and allow them to run with it. And they all of a sudden become the teacher in that area. So that's been fun where it's like most of the day would be Mm -hmm. teacher led, but then in this particular area, it is completely student led. I mean, my son does the programming on the computer and then transfers it onto his like this uh, the mindstorm brick and i'm learning as he's doing all this so it's fun that you get to learn about things you wouldn't naturally learn about because it's just not your learning style or it's not your high interest but for him that's really high interest yeah that's super cool i love that it's something mm-hmm. he could share with his dad but also something he could initiate a group of other people getting together and sharing in the same interest and learning together. Yeah. And there was one other example of that, that I was thinking of with our kids. Again, we as a family have no interest or skill in sports. So (laughs) we're just, we're just not a sports family. We don't watch it. We don't do it. I mean, we love to be physically active. We like hiking and biking and things like that. We love being outside, but we're just not sports people. So our neighbor is actually a very excellent baseball player. He's a year older than our oldest. So he's 11 and he'll come over and he'll teach my kids how to play baseball. So, I mean, that's like another awesome learning opportunity. It's, it's getting, you know, using your resources that are around you, like the neighbors, you know, we all have like a sphere of people around us, whether it's our friends, our family, our neighbors that are, that have, pieces of, you know, life to share with our children if, if we're open to allowing that. (laughs) So, yeah, that's cool. I like that you've, Mm -hmm. um, your neighbor is in on educating the kids. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And Um, yeah, it's a (laughs) win-win. Yeah. So, uh, Chrissy, I've, I've heard that there might also be a project that you guys have worked on that relates to bunnies. Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> we, uh, my husband and I are both animal lovers and we both had lots of animals growing up. Um, you know, I had rabbits and chickens and horses and everything else like turtles, hermit crabs. And yet we had children and we just got, you know, sort of in the busyness of raising children and have zero pets. So my mother-in-law decided that it was about time that we get a real pet. So she surprised the kids for Christmas Mm. and bought them two bunnies, (laughs) (laughs) which was, which was great. I mean, I wasn't really ready to have a real pet, but um, we had had praying mantids before, but that wasn't a real pet. (laughs) So we, we took on the responsibility of these bunnies and it has been awesome. And it's been awesome in a lot of ways. One, just for them to have finally have their own pets, to be able to take care of them, to encourage them to go outside because the bunnies are outdoor pets. So they'll, you know, it gets them outside, it's just doing the chore of taking care of them. And we've gone to the library and gotten a ton of books on them. And they're just reading up on them because I was like, all right, guys, we got to learn about bunnies. We were told that the bunnies were, were both female. Um, however, we're not completely convinced of that. We think maybe one might be a male. So now we're preparing for possibly having baby bunnies. Baby bunnies. <laughs> and, and from the information I've read and talked to with other people, we need to have a separate hutch in, in order to have separate oh. the father and mother 
uh, for different reasons. So we may be building a, a new hutch this summer. So that's the other great thing is that these opportunities to work together as a family always present itself. Again, it's like, it's a lot of hard work because then you've got to, you know, find the plans online and get the materials and build it. But it's, that's what is so awesome too about homeschooling is just this opportunity of taking every life circumstance and then learning through it together as a family. I love it. And you're getting potentially a lot more pets. Potentially. (laughs) Yes. Which could be a little business. (laughs) There's a theme to your animal stories, Chrissy, because the first interview I did with you was all about the praying mantids having babies. Yes. And now you're having baby bunnies. Yes. I don't know. It's this, you know, embracing. If if you're willing to embrace, I feel like then all of a sudden all these things start happening. Mm -hmm. Wow. And do you guys have pets? Um, we have a small dog and somehow he has, uh, survived up here in the wilderness. We're not sure how, but no, not, not, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not like no a, giant a cat, cat prince way. stalking your dog prince in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, thankfully, no, no, we're still talking about like getting a, a goat or some chickens one day, but I think bunnies is a nice calm start. Maybe. Yes. Because you might disagree with that. I think it's but... good as long as they're both yeah. female. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> when will you know if you're Loved having it. bunnies? Well, I heard that if you put a male and female together, it's approximately 31 days that you would have baby bunnies. <laughs> wow. That's really fast. I know. It's a short gestation period and they can have like, I don't know, up to like 14. Like it's wow. crazy. <laughs> yeah. So many learning opportunities there. Yes. Yes. Another, I was going to say another thing with the animals is that I don't know if this is sort of nationwide, but we have a 4-H club that we're hoping mm-hmm. to join and they actually have a specific class just for bunnies. Perfect. Yeah. So that's another really awesome opportunity is that, and they meet like once a month. So it's like a really low responsibility. Like you don't have to be going out of the house once a week, but yeah, that's another thing. And another avenue for homeschoolers is that there's so many opportunities to take advantage of, of different clubs and, and sports or whatever, you know, you're interested in, your kids are interested in. Right. Um, okay, so I I know that both of you have a variety of ages in terms of your kids. Can you each share really quick how old your kids are? And then I'm curious what it's like trying to teach to multiple grades at the same time. I have three. My um, oldest is eight in second grade. Uh, the middle one is soon to be seven in grade. And my youngest is soon to be five, finishing up school. Okay. Okay, and um, we have four, and our oldest boy is 10, and then next, a girl, seven, and then, sorry, the grades are fourth grade, and then the the seven-year-old second grade, and then a boy, preschool, he's four, and then another boy, toddler, two years old, and we just try to keep him alive. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good goal. It's a very good goal. (laughs) So, so what, it, what, I don't know if I should ask what it's like, or if you guys have any like good tips or tricks for managing multiple grades at once, or 
advantages to that or disadvantages, however you want to approach this? My, my first gut reaction is to say that it's absolutely chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and my encouragement for somebody starting off homeschooling or even somebody who's done it for a little while and needs some reinforcement uh, is to keep your expectations low and uh, anything that happens beyond your expectations makes a really great day. Mm. Um, I think I, I set my expectations a little bit too high because I set this fairy tale homeschool picture in my brain and um, it never worked out. Uh, so I had to rearrange the fairy tale, honestly. Um, I wanted, I, I imagined my kids to all be doing math between this time and this time, all be doing reading between this time and this time, all this and that. And we would all be doing it together and we would be one big, happy little house. But um, when I do math with one, the other one, who might also be doing math, might have questions, and I can't um, divide my attention and do my kids justice. You know, I need to be giving undivided attention in order for my kids to do the absolute best that they can in in a new, in that sub. Um, so what I have learned is that while one might be doing math, and I can be helping that student, um, that child, the other child can be, needs to be doing something independently, like handwriting, more handwriting, some math problems that are easy enough for them to do by themselves, something independent while I'm helping the dependent one, and then we'll flip-flop. Yeah, that sounds like a good strategy, giving independent work to the ones that can do it while you're doing the non-independent work for the other ones. Yeah, I've learned that the hard way, and a while but uh really working out Chrissy what do you do I I agree with you and it's complete chaos um (laughs) and even when it is structured it is structured chaos so yeah I think that it is it is such a you know a learning experience each year and the demands keep changing and as the older ones keep getting older and their math is taking longer and there's more required of them. It's just takes a lot more creativity and patience to keep up with what they need. Um, I would say my first advice or tip, I love what Anne said, you know, be, you know, just don't have these high expectations, even though we need Mm -hmm. to have some expectation and some intentionality. It's good not to beat yourself up and be discouraging to your kids um, when things are frustrating. So I would say the number one thing is to keep the young ones busy, keep their hands busy, keep their minds busy, because as soon as they get a little bit bored or, and kids can get bored pretty quickly. And then all of a sudden they're acting out in ways that aren't very positive. So I think that um, one thing for us, we started were the sensory bins, which I had heard about. Um, you can certainly buy them. I saw one for $20 at, at a craft store, um, but you can make them. It's just, you buy it like a plastic shoe box and like a shoebox sized bin, and then you can fill it with sand or Play-Doh or rocks. Um, my one four-year-old is really into construction vehicles. So we put rocks in there for mm-hmm. him, little plastic Tonka trucks and things like that. And he will play with that for hours happy Mm. as a lark um and it's good for his sensory it's good for his fine motor skills like there's actually things he's learning while he's doing it so 
that's one thing that's been really good and that it's special and individualized to them. You know, like this is your special bin and it's tucked away only for the time of when you're trying to do intense schooling with the older ones. <laughs> um, right. And then you hide it away when, when it's not time when you're doing school. Um, the other thing is that has really helped with us, especially when the weather is warmer, but even during snowy days, we'll do this. I will work with one older one and then I'll send the other older one out with the two younger ones. And all of a sudden the house is immediately quiet, focused, <laughs> and we get the whatever schoolwork we're working on, usually math or language arts, and then they flip-flop. Then I'll meet with the other older one and that one goes out to watch the younger kids. Most of the time that goes well. One thing that's um, been really, really beautiful, I never really expected this, is that um, sort of that innate tendency of the older ones to teach the younger ones this mm -hmm. has happened a lot in our family yes. um one thing is the younger ones love to be read to and so the older ones uh -huh. read to the younger ones and i'm like score double check the boxes because older one's reading yeah. and the younger ones getting the enjoyment of being read to so that's awesome another thing is uh, just the other day it was a couple days ago uh, my daughter the second greeter was starting to learn division and I had to attend to something. And while I was attending to something, the fourth grader taught her how to do division. <laughs> he was like, oh, this is how you do it. And then I came back and she was done. And I was like, oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and that's, that's like, that is the awesome thing. It doesn't always go so nicely like that. But um, that's one thing I found that was surprisingly awesome about having multiple ages. And then like the last tip, I guess, would be books on CD for preschoolers and even any aged kid. You know, they have the CD player, they can operate it themselves. And then they sit down with the book. We, we have these at the library. They open up the book and they can just follow along. And that has given me a lot of extra time where I can work with an older student while the younger one is like enthralled in a book. Yes. I, those are some golden moments when you've got an older kid teaching a younger kid something, um, in part because we learn more when we teach somebody when, rather than yes. just taught. Almost any skill or knowledge, as soon as you turn around and teach it to somebody else, it becomes more deeply ingrained in you. So I think that's, that's a really cool kind of educational principle. And that comes naturally to kids. Mm -hmm. What's so cool yeah. is that kids are natural learners. They're naturally curious they're naturally wanting to dive in deeper and deeper and deeper to get more and more information. And when we like piggyback off of that as the parent, it's a really beautiful thing. That's at least that's what I found. They have this natural need to learn and to teach themselves. Yes. I get sad when I start to see that go away when they're teenagers. Yeah. Like I know your, your kids haven't reached the teenager milestone yet, thankfully. Um, for either of you, but when in my classroom, I get really excited when I see a 17 or 18 year old get excited about something yes. educational and try to learn more. Um, and a little sad when some of them feel like that will make me not cool. So I'm not going to do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Going off of what Chrissy said about the natural curiosity that kids have a very wise mother told me years ago when my oldest was little maybe two three he was in the why stage why why mom why I the most beautiful piece of advice I was given is to never come back and say because I said so because what's happening in their brain is really honest 
curiosity, like, why, why are you telling me to not stand on X, Y, Z? Why are you telling me that? I don't think kids, you know, wake up in the morning and say, how can I irritate my mom with questions today? They're genuinely <laughs> curious. Help. And you know, when they're, when they question, you know, safety, why are you telling me to get down? And then that will carry on help them understand. And then, oh, okay, now I understand. And then that can carry over to, well, why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Help them understand and research. I mean, we have, yeah, let's look it up on the internet. Let's read books about it. Let's go to the library. So I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. I hear what you're saying. Really beautiful. And then also what I have learned is if you chase some of those curiosities that the kid has, and keep chasing them, the kid will uh, naturally want to learn more where they are most interested. And then we in turn can see where their skills um, are slanted. Does that make sense? Like, oh, you're Mm -hmm. like, just like your oldest Chrissy, Legos and engineering. And if you not chased that uh, and pursued that, you would never know. So, and hmm. who knows where these bunnies might go and the animal <laughs> interest in animals. Uh, that's a true what statement a- in more than li- more ways than one. Like, who knows where the bunnies <laughs> might go? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just thinking about when I was growing up, I used to dream about being a one room schoolhouse teacher back in yeah. the 1800s. Like I wanted to travel in time and, I, I just wanted to embody Laura Ingalls Wilder in the school <laughs> yeah. room. And I'm, I'm just thinking it's, it's probably a lot harder than I thought it was. And you guys are kind of living that with all of these different <laughs> yeah. kids in one place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, you wow. know, honestly, it, can't be, it can be fun to balance, balance ages and personalities off of each other and, like um, Chrissy said, we have that going on here too, where the oldest is teaching the youngers. And but I think the most beautiful part is that we have modern conveniences here, where Laura Ingalls Wilder didn't have a coffee pot in her classroom. And exactly, and I'm guessing that's essential. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> my my essential resource in the classroom is my drawer of snacks that the students don't know about. Um, yeah. That's what I have. Uh, that's what I need. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's like mom's secret stash of chocolate in the back of the cupboard. Yes. <laughs> Recently, so there's a there's a teacher that works in the next room to me who often has snacks in her office. And when I'm having a rough day, she'll be like, do you need a piece of chocolate? And I came over recently and asked her for one and she didn't have any. And the next day she gave me an entire bag of like sea salt caramel Ghirardelli dark chocolate pieces and she was like Rachel you're now going to be the keeper of the chocolate in the hallway if anybody needs chocolate they're going to come to you and I was like okay and two weeks later I had finished the bag on my own (laughs) and I was like I'm not allowed to be the keeper of the chocolate that must have been a rough week (laughs) I've I've had some rough weeks let me tell you Speaking yes. of having rough weeks, um, what do you guys do to care well for yourselves as homeschooling mm-hmm. teachers? I'll start this time. <laughs> this is a very okay. um, pertinent question here. So, yeah, it's um, I, I struggle with this because you are so busy as a homeschool mom because it's just round the clock care. You know, just the second you wake up until the moment you fall asleep, you're just on duty. But one thing that has really helped is, and it takes a lot of planning, 
But to have a babysitter, a regular babysitter, or grandparents, or aunts and uncles, or a good friend, to regularly take your kids, uh, you know, could be as often as once a week, or, you know, once a month, but something that the mom has to look forward to. Because it can just feel exhausting the day in, day out. And so if mentally, if you have something to look forward to, you think, oh, I'm going to have a little breather. I know that, you know, the kids are going to be out of the house and I'll be able to to have a little quiet or to do some things I need to get to. Well, the other thing that that has really helped me really just this year is the first time I started doing this was waking up before the kids a good hour or more before the kids are up. And that's when I have some quiet time, some devotion time, some time just to organize my thoughts. The one thing I heard from a mom that I really liked is she said, write, and it could be five, it could be three, whatever the number is, but write the top things that you hope to accomplish that day. And so as you go throughout your day, you have that in your mind. Now, you might not get to all of them. But in all the hurry and bur- and busyness of the day, you have a goal in your mind. And it's not just, you know, the laundry is is drowning you, the, the dishes piling up, you know, babies might need their diapers changed and other emergencies come up throughout the day. But if you have this goal in the back of your mind, like I need to do this, this and this. And if I get to that, great. If I don't, it's okay. There's tomorrow. But I do want to have some intentionality. So that's been really helpful. And then like pursue a hobby or interest if you can. Again, this, you know, we don't have a lot of time as homeschool moms, but if you can do something like yeah, music or reading or crafting, something even just for a short amount of time, like journaling, it doesn't have to be every week, but just to try to give yourself a little break. And then I would say, watch out for signs of burnout. <laughs> And uh, I've definitely struggled with this. So if you sense that you're just frazzled, you're, you're impatient, you're getting angry very easily, I'd say take a break, go to the park and just call it a day. Like just there's no reason to keep pushing, pushing, pushing and trying to get through a very, very difficult day when you can unexpectedly give the kids a day off. They love it. I had this happen one time. Uh, recently it was the it was good friday and i was going to have the kids do school and then i decided against it at the very last minute and i said how about we don't do math and language arts today would that be okay with you and they were shouting and cheering and jumping up and down yay so it's this like flexibility that you can have that you can you can take that time off and know that you have the next day it's like it's a like snow a snow day. day. Yes. yes, I've always loved snow days. We don't get those in Florida, but we do get hurricanes. <laughs> oh, wow. Those are exciting for so. <laughs> That would be very exciting. <laughs> and what about you? What ideas do you have for how to care well for yourself while homeschooling? Oh, man. Well, my first thought is um, we definitely up here in Idaho, we definitely have snow days, but uh, we also have Sundays. <laughs> we're really excited to see the sun Ooh. nowadays. <laughs> so as soon as the sun comes out, we're, we're ta- we take our, um, our schoolwork outside if, it's, um, if we're able to. Ooh. We take our outside and do math on the play structure and 
they have to read, they swing and read at the same time. That's one of the things that I've learned um, slowly over the years that school doesn't mean uh, that learning has to happen at a table, in a chair or at a desk It's and sitting. They can be, they can read, like walk around in circles. They don't know what they're doing, but they're reading. Who cares? Like they're, sometimes they have to have their whole body involved for some reason um or they swing and read at the same time or I read to them while they swing let's see going back to your question though let's see I really like what Chrissy said about sometimes when you're reaching the end of your rope and you're holding on with white knuckles chances are really high that uh the kids are feeling you too and it's Mm. it wouldn't be healthy for anybody to continue on in that stressed out state, um, no long-term, uh, will be retained if, if people are in that stressed out, um, state. So either calling it a day or packing up your school books and heading to the park. Um, if that's an option, that's a great one. Just get out and get in a new environment, uh, get -hmm. some fresh air and the babysitter sounds wonderful. I've never done that, but it sounds wonderful. Even if (laughs) a mom advantage of that (laughs) go somewhere else and like you said journal or read or take that time to lesson plan oh that sounds wonderful yeah this right now is a nice mental um nice time (laughs) out for me (laughs) you could always like do a podcast interview with a friend for a break I think what you said about if you're feeling burnt out, the kids are probably feeling it too is so true. Mm -hmm. I think of, of any educational setting. I know that recently um, my partner teacher and I got together and we were like, we're just, we're burnt out. We're overwhelmed. We're going to change this upcoming assignment. So it's three pages instead of 15 pages of writing. And we announced it to the students and they were like, thank you we're so overwhelmed and I'm like mm-hmm. we're all feeling it together yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and I just Chrissy I was thinking about what you said about or maybe it was Anne I can't remember one of the two of you said something about doing your work outside and it was you yeah. swinging and reading yeah. and I I love that I think it's so true that we think of education as happening in buildings but <laughs> I mean, it certainly doesn't have to. And anytime you can go outside, I think it, I think it can change your enthusiasm for a subject, your attention span, your willingness to do the work. Yeah. I think my favorite memory of reading as an adult is on the beach. Yeah. Cause there's just something about, you know, it's actually stimulating more senses because you have your your sight your sense of sight that you're seeing it and you're experiencing it maybe emotionally but you have your sense of touch and your sense of smell and other senses are being activated when you're at the beach or outside I love this oh my gosh can we each share our favorite like reading memories (laughs) so Chrissy likes reading on the beach and do you have one (laughs) oh do I have one oh my gosh Oh my gosh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, let me think. It's probably somewhere out in nature. Okay, here, I'll share mine and yes, you think. Yes. It's okay if you don't have one. But okay, I am Chrissy, immediately what came to mind was when I lived up in Pennsylvania when I was a teenager, my dad used to put his hunting ladder in the tree in our backyard and I would climb up to like some of the pretty high branches and I would sit oh. on the tree branches and read my book. And I loved reading up there. <laughs> yes, it was dangerous, but gosh, 
I have such fond memories of sitting up there to read my book. And it wasn't just because I was climbing the tree. I enjoyed the books too, but yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. There's, there's (laughs) There's a memory attached to it. It's not just a book. It's not just a place, it's the people that were there mm-hmm. and it's the feelings you had in that time period that you can't get back again. It's precious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I do have a really good climbing tree in oh, the front <laughs> um, So. <laughs> and we do have a ladder, so I don't know. <laughs> yes. I would say my, my kids' favorite place and uh, way to read, actually, my husband, their dad, loves to read to them aloud, which we, we find that read-alouds are great, even for, mm-hmm. you know, even when they are adults, I think we'll still read to them. Yeah, oh, there's I, so I much value to that, but <laughs> yeah. they'll, snug, they'll snuggle up with daddy, and sometimes I'll, I'll be doing the dishes while he's reading aloud to them. And I'll come in and there's a kid like on his back, like he'll be laying on the floor and there'll be a kid like draped over his back, you know, <laughs> looking at the book over his shoulder. And I've, I've taken so many pictures like that, you know, Aww. it's just like this comfort of snuggling up with a parent or somebody that you love and enjoying this fun experience together. Yes. I love that. That's beautiful. So and did you think of a fun reading memory? Um, no, not <laughs> Pressure, pressure. <laughs> okay, well, now that uh, I've taken one more second to think about it, um, growing up, we had a hammock in the backyard strung between two trees. And I remember one summer reading multiple chapter books during a summer vacation uh, in that, probably the hammock in the backyard. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is making me just want to yes. get out a book and read for the rest of the afternoon. Same. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um I I remember the in the very first interview I did for the podcast with you Anne we talked a lot about grace Mm. and how having grace for ourselves and the kids is one kind of essential component of teaching and I wonder if if either of the two of you have anything more you want to say about that Mm. the role that's played in your own life as a teacher or the lives of your kids as students what it looks like for you Um, oh man I feel like I always have something about Grace, go ahead. And you go first. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like on a on a personal level, it's uh, it's crazy important to offer yourself uh, grace as as the mom who wears so many hats throughout the day um, to offer grace to yourself um, all the time, around the clock, throughout the day, because uh, there's so many things that could pop up. And just say, well, okay, let, let's go back to what Chrissy said. There are three things on my to-do list. If I do them, great. If I do more, even better. Um, but if I get those three things done, that's great. And sometimes those things just might include feed the kids, keep them alive, and maybe read them a book. I don't think. And anything beyond that's wonderful. In terms of grace with mm-hmm. schooling, I remember in one um, school that I taught at, I was expected, because the math curriculum was, the math book was long, and we were expected to teach one new math lesson every single day. And that got to be a lot, even mm. for the teacher. And I felt bad for the kids too because it was a lot of uh, to keep up with so I had to um, 
step back as a homeschool teacher and think, now, wait a minute, I don't want my kid to burn out after a month. So how else can I do this? So instead of doing, introducing a new lesson every day, I instead now um, introduce a new lesson every week. And we spend, um, we do a new lesson on Tuesday and we do spend four days on that whole lesson, just mastering it and spiraling, meaning um, go back and review previous lessons, make sure we remember it, uh, master one lesson every week. That was less stress. And if they get it by Wednesday, then they're going to be thrilled to do their worksheets because they know it and they feel like they're, you know, the biggest brainiac in the house, which is, which makes me happier, which makes <laughs> everybody's happier so in terms of that like grace like don't just ah I've learned not to push just don't push every child learns at a different pace every child is interested in different things um just that's one of the beautiful things about homeschooling is getting to know your own kids individually instead of having them get lost in a sea of 30 but you can really hone in on their interests and their skills and how long it takes to absorb certain pieces of information, whether it be math skills or even phonics and reading. And it's okay if they go slower with reading, they'll eventually get on the bandwagon. It's okay. Sometimes it takes extra, extra time. So that's the first thing that comes to mind when you say, give yourself grace. It's okay to slow down. Mm, I like it. Slowing down can really help you absorb information mm-hmm. too. And yeah. 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 I think it's great. Uh, well, I, I love what grace? Anne had to share. And I, I just, because she's my friend, I know she's a very gracious person. So I can imagine her being a very gracious homeschool mom. So <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad to just hear her perspective on it because I do struggle with that. I think that Anne's right. You have to be able to give grace to yourself before you can offer it out to your kids. And like in times mm-hmm. of stress or high anxiety, I think it's good to remember we can't do it all. As a homeschooling mom, you're not just a homeschooling mom. You have your household responsibilities. You might have a part-time job or career. You have your your husband to take care of and um, so many relationships you have to enrich. So the first thing is like just recognizing you can't do it all. And it really does take a village to raise a child. And to allow mm-hmm. others to speak into your child's life, whether it's people, you know, in different clubs or church or wherever. And I think as a mom, it's really been good to remember that this too shall pass. I always tell myself that if, if you're going through like a hard season or you're struggling with a relationship, either with a, with a child or, or someone else, it's good to remember that this too shall pass. And good to know that through this time, your character's being built. The The example I can think of is just recently, again, baking Easter cookies with my kids. And Anne had mentioned this about how we have these like preconceived notions, this sort of fairy tale view in our mind. Okay, when we're homeschool moms, we're going to dot, dot, dot. And it's just going to be perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's. It's just going to be this wonderful, beautiful thing. And, and yes, it is. But there are just a lot of frustrating moments or unexpected things that happen. And, 
and layers and layers and layers of things happening at the same time. So what had happened is I had this great (laughs) expectation of making these beautiful Easter cookies with my kids and we were going to decorate them and and then take them to grandma's house (laughs) for Easter. So it started out fine enough and we were making the dough and then it became really dry. So then I thought, well, we'll just add more butter. Well, when you ask a four-year-old and a seven-year-old to enter in in this experience with you and you're asking them to add more butter (laughs) to this dry dough, now it's on their hands, now it's on the chair, now it's on the table. How did it get on the ceiling? Like, it's just everywhere. (laughs) And then it's too sticky. And then you're like, well, let's just add a little more flour. And then it's too dry again. And then it's just a nightmare. And so we did this and I'm finally, you know, like this, okay, I got to give myself grace. I got to give my kids grace. They're not perfect. They're just kids. I can't expect this is going to turn out perfectly. And we do a lot of baking. So this was like a frustrating moment. Like, come on, we we need to do this. Right. And so we kind of set it aside. We let the dough chill and hope for the best. Well, then it was time for decorating. And the seven-year-old is very artistic and she loves doing stuff like this. So I I, again, have done a lot of baking with her. I'm like, set her to that. Okay, you can go ahead and decorate these cookies. This is how I think you should do it, but you do it how you want. Gave her the the icing, gave her the sprinkles, went away for a few minutes, (laughs) came back. My husband came in and was like, what is going on here? Is she supervised? And here the icing was about, you know, a quarter to a half inch thick on these cookies, like all over, all over the table, all down the, like on the floor, everywhere. And on her, dribbled down her, on her shirt, everywhere. (laughs) So I felt like that was a really good example of just remembering that um, you know, we're to be gracious to the children because it's not about the product. It's about the process. And the process in that moment was making memories together, learning how to cook together, you know, enjoying this time together, not the perfect cookie that I had in my mind. So that that's my example of how to how to remember to be more gracious. I love it. Embrace yeah. the imperfections. I I think that's great. I think there's a lot of beauty in imperfections. And I, I think our educational culture tends to teach us and our students that they need to strive for perfection when it's if we don't make the mistakes, we don't mm-hmm. learn and we miss a lot of laughter and <laughs> Yeah, and the Yeah. I was just gonna say the great that. thing is what happens well, with the kids yeah, is they learn perseverance and patience and problem solving skills. And it's not just the answers aren't just given to them. They actually have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is just delightful to chat with the two of you about teaching. Is there any any last words from either of I you? I do have one final, final thought. thoughts. And I think um, my final thought is, um, mm-hmm. you know, what homeschooling kind of means to me now, um, now that I'm in it. And before it just meant like yeah. home educating my kid and just bringing the classroom to our home. But I think what it's become now is being intimately involved with our kids learning and development, like as a person and, and, you know, just having them develop Mm. um, emotionally and having them develop, um, you know, with, with relationships with their siblings, that's been huge. 
you know, helping them work out problem solving skills with people, with friends and being able to talk that out instead of having to deal with it after school hours, you know, we're able to deal with that right, right when it's happening. So it's become a real like intimate mm-hmm. journey of like, yes. you know, how, how we're learning together as a family and growing together as a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. You're getting to watch the the kids learn in their own roles and learn from each other and help each other mm-hmm. and grow. That's mm-hmm. great. So true. And any, any parting words of wisdom? Uh, <laughs> yes, I would, I would say, um, to not be afraid to do something that everybody would look forward to and um, don't be afraid to spoil yourself as the mom and the or the um, stay-at-home dad uh, the parent and the kid spoil yourselves just a, uh, a little bit to have something to look forward to whether it be um, go out to breakfast and do pancakes in school at a restaurant mm. There's nothing, there's no law against that. <laughs> and plus the um, restaurants are a lot less busy during Monday through Friday because uh, kids are in school and there won't be any other kids there. Um, so anyway, to create um, a different and more fun learning environment that way, don't be afraid to do something fun and out of the box like that. You can still do school just with pancakes or extra something fun. We go to our local coffee shop every Friday. And it started off because I needed something to look forward to because the mundane mundane routine mm-hmm. of day after day after day got really, um, what's, what, how can I say it? Like it deadened my brain. I, I really needed some <laughs> external stimulation. Um, so now that has turned into Friday where we our leftover schoolwork, our handwriting. And instead of, we do some math worksheets, but mainly we uh, do more math games that, day and um have hot chocolate and muffins and I read to them and while they do their schoolwork and uh we spend a couple hours there which makes it all the more fun for everybody honestly and it gives everybody something to look forward to it's fun Friday Mm -hmm. yes I think treating yourself sounds like a marvelous (laughs) form of self-care I love it I love it. Well, thank you both so much for joining me on this interview. I I love both of you dearly as friends and I'm inspired by you as educators. <laughs> and your kids are just super lucky. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for having us. Listeners, that's a wrap on Dear Teacher 2020-2021. Thanks again for all the listening time, and please remember to be extra kind and loving to those teachers around you. Give them hugs or gift cards or high fives or any way to just say, I know your job is hard, and I know your job means a lot, and I thank you for what you do. Teachers out there, you rock. Have a wonderful summer.